0: I ex I love you with no limit, no restrictions, no conditions, but I can't get through the yeah. Turn to a beast when the music is on, Don't get it out of yeah, and can nobody love you like I do, baby? Hi, this is uh on the town, and this is Tanya Cooper. How are you? Good, how are you? Good. Uh so our special guest tonight is author of Chasing the Rabbit. A Dad's Life to Raising a Son on the Spectrum. Uh, Please welcome our guest, Mr. Derek Bulk. Hey, how are you tonight? Good. Now I didn't give my little history on you. Let's see. You're a supporter of autism awareness, volunteer, philanthropist, uh, who, along with family, was recently named the 2015 Spurring Humanitarian of the Year. Welcome, and thank you so much for joining us. Well,
1: thanks for having me. I appreciate
0: it. Yes, I see also here that you... um, that you have a family-owned business third generation, uh, and you employ people with disabilities. So we'll we talk do. about we that. Do. Yeah, we can talk about yeah, like that. Yeah, right?
1: yeah. I own a corrugated box company in Biddeford, Maine. Mm-hmm. Third generation family owned corrugated box company. Mm. was started by my father and my grandfather. Mm-hmm. And we have uh, a couple, uh, we have uh, right now three people on the autism spectrum.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's funny, people often ask me about my strategy to hire people with autism. And I, I never really had a strategy. I just had good people apply that happen to have autism and mm-hmm. we found a spot for them.
0: Okay, so that's that's amazing. Um, so um, that's that's so good because right now that is a uh, big thing on finding our, our uh, you know, youth, young people, young adults uh, with any kind of disabilities, finding them work. Uh, so it's really good. that I see a lot of employers are now uh, actually making sure that someone handles that specifically so that we can't, um, you know, not include them, you know?
1: Yeah, well, people with autism actually have the highest rate of unemployment of all disabilities.
0: Well, of course. I mean, we've, we've been, uh, well, they've been stereotyped so long, A, and then B, um, we're just now in the last 10 years getting hip to things and realizing, you know what, <clears throat> if you don't treat someone... Um, like they're special, then they they will do whatever everybody else uh, is doing pretty much, except for you know high you know people that are high functioning, depending on what, what we're talking about. But um, so you know, um, like I, my daughter's school, no one would look at the girl who had a, a prosthetic um, arm because they were trained that you know what that's just um, something that she's you know dealing with, but it doesn't make her any. Worse of a person, or any less of a person, you know what I'm saying? So right, we're, we're trying to change the language and trying to change the behavior. Um, so eventually, we will get there. And uh, and it's people like you, parents like you, and other parents uh, that um, that will show that you know we can change things. And uh, you know, we just have to have tolerance and patience and knowledge um, to deal with any child on the spectrum. Uh, and then things will begin to change. So, so first, <clears throat> I wanted to start out from the beginning um, on your book. We ha- we, I decided to dedicate an hour today because, uh, you know, uh, it's a big, big topic. But first, I want to start with chasing the rabbit. Um, and I want to go in from, like, early childhood, like when you first found out. First of all, I, m- I meant to mention your wife also because, you know, it always takes a partner to do these things. Um, and your your wife, um, she's a let me see if I got it right. She's a former um, politician in Maine. Uh, is that, is that yes. Sir? Okay. Yes. Uh, yes. yes. Uh, and she she she's a big.
1: Yes, yeah, she served four terms in the
0: Maine state senate. Yeah, and uh, and a big fighter for autism and uh, disability rights. I see it as well. Yes. How amazing. So see, so you have a great partner. That's uh, half the battle. I do. You know? I do. I'm very blessed. Yeah, half the battle. And uh, you also have a good support team, as in your other children, <laughs> so that helps. We have to sh- we have yep. to shout them out. Let's say. Um, so, so starting from the beginning, let's see. You know, um, I had someone recently was diagnosed. Their two-year-old was diagnosed uh, <clears throat> with autism. So let's start out like way that early in the book um, that uh, your wife thought that something was wrong, um, and then take it from there. Okay. Well, uh, again, thanks for having me on the, on the show. I
1: really appreciate it. And uh, it's been just an, an amazing experience to, to be able to share my story with people through my book, Chasing the Rabbit, as well as uh, interviews like this. So thanks for having me on. When my son was two, mm-hmm. my wife sat me down mm-hmm. and said, something's not quite right with Dylan. And I said, what do you mean? And she said, well, I don't know, but something's not right. And I said, Well, no, he's fine. He's fine. There's nothing wrong with him. And she said, No, something's off. And I said, Well, what why would you say that? And she said, Well, when there are other kids over, we're play you know, the kids are playing together, other little boys that, you know, I've played they've played dates or whatever mm-hmm. she said, they communicate and interact with each other and he doesn't. She said, it's like he doesn't even seem to care or even notice that they're in the room. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what it is, Mm -hmm. but it just doesn't seem right to me. And um, so that was the beginning of our journey. Oh, there goes my phone. That was the beginning of my journey. And um, from there, we just basically tried to figure out what it was that was going on with Dylan. And it, it took us six years uh, before we got a diagnosis,
0: mm, six years. Wow, wow, a lot can happen in six years. I, I, so, what, yeah, what,
1: what, we lost a lot of critical. We lost a lot of critical uh, time that we could have been helping, helping. him and getting right. him some, some services that we didn't. We didn't get.
0: Now, is that that what what they call used to refer to as the window period, where you have a certain amount of time that you can actually, um, you can not reverse it, but you can help. Um, I guess we say, what, guided or molded or something to that effect. What's the correct? Yeah,
1: absolutely. There is a, there's a period of time. Um, no, you know it's pretty unscientific, but there's there's a period of time when we could have been able to help him get some some better understanding. At least get help us get some better understanding. Get help him get some better understanding about. Um, How he, you know, how his brain works, and maybe we could have made those early years a lot easier. Mm -hmm. Uh, Unfortunately, when my wife said that, Mm -hmm. there was no place in the world that we could have taken Dylan and got a diagnosis because there
2: was no such diagnosis in 1993 as Asperger's syndrome. Mm. So we literally could have taken him
1: anywhere in the world and we would not have received the correct diagnosis. So there wasn't really um, much that could have been done differently at that time, but over the next six years, there were certainly opportunities that we could have uh, that we could have got a diagnosis that would have been helpful. But unfortunately, we were uh, not. That didn't happen. We were given one one misdiagnosis after another. Unfortunately.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, did you know anything about autism before before your son, or before starting the book?
1: No, I did. I mean, before my son had autism, all I knew was basically like the Rain Man. You know, the, the Rain Man. That was about all I knew about autism. Right. And so,
2: um, when after getting diagnosis after diagnosis after
1: diagnosis mm-hmm. that was not correct, we finally uh, just were like one thing after another. Mm-hmm. And my brother actually sent me an article about a boy from from Harlem who had memorized the entire subway system. And it went on talking about how he had this thing called Asperger's syndrome, was
2: a form of autism, Mm -hmm. and I'm not thinking
1: much about it. And then Mm -hmm. at the end of the article, it said that when he was little, he was was really uh, obsessed with vacuum cleaners, Uh, which is what what our son was also obsessed with. Mm -hmm. So my brother uh, wrote... On a little post-it note with the article that he sent me, could this be what Dylan has? Mm. And that was what started us down the down the, down the Asperger's
0: path. path. Right. And what about? Uh, did he line up toys, certain toys, and certain mm-hmm. objects?
1: Yes. He used to, well. Even in the when we would go out for we, we used to go out for breakfast with him when he was two, and he would he would put all he would take all the like sweet and low and mm-hmm. sugar packets and he would line them up sweet and low sugar, sweet and low sugar mm-hmm. and then he would say, look, it's a pattern. So
0: mm. he used to like to do stuff like these, like to make patterns. Mm, yes, I, I see that's a, a repeated um, thing amongst um, children on the spectrum. And um, What about um, I'm trying to think, does he like computers? That seems um, to be another he thing. He does, but
1: he's never into the computers like a lot of kids with autism are. Oh. They're Know, programmers
0: or right. something like that. Right. Uh, okay. So he. Did, so there are different special, uh, different, different levels of um, well, different various things that they like or don't like. So right. um, that makes sense. And now, um, when, How did your well, your wife thought suspected at first. So how did you react when she first told you something wasn't right? I thought that she, you
1: know she must be mistaken. Mm-hmm. I I basically. I was in denial, I, you know, oh, there's nothing wrong with him, he's fine, he's fine. And that's a pretty common reaction for dads. Mm-hmm. Uh, dads quite often feel that way, that, you know, there's nothing wrong with my son. It's, it's, it's a hard
0: thing to accept. Right, right. Yeah. And that's what you're going to say, a lot of people say that, uh, that it takes a while to actually, actually to accept it. Um, so in your yeah. book, in your book, you talk about empty folders. Can you explain uh, what, that, what, what that meant?
1: Yeah, so what happens, uh, this was a great analogy that somebody told us uh, when we were learning about autism mm-hmm. when Dylan was young. And well, what happened, Dylan would have these major meltdowns. Mm-hmm. They were like, a I always call them a temper tantrum on steroids.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And what we learned was that the way it was described to us, which I thought was really Good, uh, by a guy named Tony Atwood, who's written some book, quite a few books about Aspergers, mm-hmm. and he said that, you know, if you picture all of our brains like a computer, mm-hmm. and we get angry or frustrated or annoyed or impatient,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and when we see these folders, these folders on our desktop, which is our brain, mm-hmm. and when we get frustrated, we double click it. And it gives us a bunch of options,
2: right? Well, when they double-click those folders, they're empty. Mm. There's yeah. nothing there. They don't know how to react mm.
1: to all these different emotions, and that causes just a tremendous amount okay. of stress yeah.
0: for, mm-hmm. for these kids. In the meltdowns. Yeah, I had someone recently, um, a friend of mine. Um, thank you, KT. Uh, she knows who she is. Um, and she re- re-explained that, that, uh, that sometimes it's a lack of communication... Uh, and so that that may develop into acting out because they're frustrated. That they don't know how to tell you what's wrong with them. So,
1: right. And Dylan and Dylan explained that much later in life.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And when he, you know, he explained to us, he said, you know, a lot of those times when I appeared angry, mm-hmm. it wasn't really anger. It right. came out as anger. It looked right. like anger, but right. it was really just frustration.
0: Mm. And how did he learn the tools to later communicate? Is that do you think that was because of the school that you sent him to? Uh, I
1: think it was a combination of some of the programs he was at and just maturity. You oh. know, he got older, and oh. he's incredibly introspective. So Dylan, Dylan's amazing gift is. We've been traveling around talking about my book, Chasing the Rabbit, mm-hmm. and Dylan's book, Dylan's new book, Bad Choices Make
0: Good Stories. That's right. Where can we get are, those books, by the way? Uh, you can get them at
1: volkbooks.com, v-o-l-k, b-o-o-k-s, volkbooks.com, and you can buy both of them and save some money because uh, you can get a kind of a discount if you buy both of them. There's a they're twenty dollars
2: each, or you can get both for thirty. So, um, and
1: as we traveled around, what I've discovered, which is just incredible, is that Dylan has an amazing ability to to understand how his brain works
2: mm-hmm.
1: and then explain it wow. to literally hundreds of people up on a stage in, in very clear explanation. I mean, he's he really, it's, it's an amazing gift because he has a lot of the same experiences mm-hmm. he has a lot of the same emotions mm-hmm. as other people with autism but he can process it and explain it in a way that makes sense to neurotypical people. And that's a really a very, very special thing. And that's why I've been working so hard over the last three years to be to continue getting up in front of audiences with Dylan. And, and as we've done more and more of these presentations, and now that his book, Bad Choices Make Good Stories, has come out over the last year or so, I've been slowly sliding back on what I say and letting him talk more because honestly he's the star he's who people want to hear mm-hmm. um, I always joke that I'm Ringo Starr
0: and he's Paul McCartney so <laughs> that's great that's great wow and so um what um <clears throat> I'm trying to think there's so many questions I want to ask uh, I want to give an official um definition of what they say autism is um and you tell me if you agree or disagree. Um, so, autism is a developmental disorder characterized by troubles in social, social interaction and communication and by restricted and repetitive behavior. Parents usually notice signs during the first two or three years of their child's life. These signs often develop gradually through some children, oh, excuse me, though <clears throat> some children with autism reach their developmental milestones at a normal play, pace before worsening agree or disagree or is that yeah fair? That no fair? that's pretty that's a pretty fair definition <laughs> mm, okay and and dylan we everything seemed perfectly fine with dylan
1: up until he was uh about two and a half and then my wife started noticing things but like i said he was also a very there were things that we just didn't notice like mm-hmm. um he hated being in the car when he was a baby mm-hmm. he would just scream and scream and that was because he was a, confined and, out, and he felt like he was being kind of compressed so to speak right. and he still doesn't like that like he you know he doesn't like to be hugged mm. you know he tenses up when you try to hug him and he just doesn't like that feeling mm. and so he hated his car seat mm-hmm. he was obsessed with vacuum cleaners and when he was two years old his favorite Christmas present was a photo album full of vacuum cleaner pictures mm. so um, and, then, and then he also spoke in a very unusual way dylan got to like nine or ten maybe 12 words or so mm-hmm. around 15 16 months and then stopped adding words for months mm-hmm. and then around 28 months or so little when he was
2: you know doing some change mm-hmm. all of a sudden i was putting him to bed one night he
1: reached up grabbed a book and put it out to me and said how about this book and i said what and he said, how about we read this book tonight? Mm. And he literally went from speaking like ten words to speaking in full, clear,
2: grammatically correct sentences the next day. It was
1: very, very strange. I mean, it was one of those things where like, I mean, a lot of two-year-olds speak in sentences, but they, a lot of times, only the mom or dad and the siblings have any idea what the heck the kid's saying. Mm -hmm. Dylan's diction was incredible. He like, everybody could understand him. It was... It was. We just thought, oh, look at this. This is, you know, he's really like he's really good at talking, um, but it was so strange to go from such small vocabulary to a complete like a talking like a
0: fourteen year old the next day. Mm. What um what, what was it like uh, when you had to go from like doctor to doctor though, and and you know to be frustrated and hear these different things and still not be able to know until later.
1: Oh, it was very frustrating. I mean, we went to specialist after specialist after specialist, and what we discovered is that whatever they specialized in was exactly what they would diagnose them in. Mm.
2: So if they specialized in OCD, mm-hmm. OCD was the reason for all those problems. If yeah. they specialized in Tourette syndrome, mm. Tourette's syndrome was the
1: reason for all those problems. Mm. And every time we would go out and we would buy a book about whatever that topic was mm-hmm. and we would read the book. And when I say we, I mean Amy. Mm-hmm. And... I would come home a few days later and she'd be reading the book and I'd say, What do you know, what do you think about this latest diagnosis? And she'd say, Well, it kinda sounds like Dylan, but it doesn't really connect all the dots, mm. so I don't think that this is what it is. Mm. And then we would go find a another expert and wait six months to get into that expert only Hmm. to find out that they would diagnose them with whatever it is they specialized in so that was a
0: really horrible experience it was it was very frustrating
1: and then even after we got the diagnosis it didn't get much better because people didn't really understand asperger's at the time and so we got if you read chasing the rabbit you'll read all about the terrible advice we got from one doc one person expert after another Um,
0: didn't derek also describe uh Going from from doctor to doctor, didn't you What's that? the diagnosis of the month uh, club? Is that the same? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly.
1: Mm-hmm. And then after we got the diagnosis, we thought, okay, cool. Now we get, you know, now we can get some help. Mm-hmm. And people just didn't know what they were talking about. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we went to one guy. We spent. He was a you know supposed local
2: expert, and we spent like six months going to the guy. Mm-hmm. And. Dylan was like 13 years
1: old and you know he was really really difficult and after six
2: months the guy told us to create a sticker chart Mm. and I was like really? a sticker (laughs) Sticker
1: chart chart. like We've been paying you for six months and the best thing you can come up with is a sticker, sticker chart. I could have paid two dollars and ninety-nine cents and bought a parents magazine and figured figure that out. Right. No,
2: right so right. it was very, very frustrating. Yeah. And we had another yeah. woman we spent another woman who was
1: we spent like six months trying to get into. We finally got into her. Mm-hmm. She met with Dylan for like three or four months. Mm-hmm. And then one day she had Dylan go back out into the waiting room and asked us to come in. And she looked at us and she said wow yeah wow no way yeah and we're like okay what, what what does that mean and she goes yeah i can't help you and we're like what do you mean you can't help us you're like you're like the most foremost expert in greater portland mm-hmm. and she's like yeah i can't help you with him mm-hmm. dylan is yeah almost every place that dylan ever went with programs and schools and mm-hmm. every Everybody said the same thing. He is the most difficult person he's ever had to deal with. Mm-hmm. He's very, very complicated. Mm-hmm. And, he, and people didn't understand Asperger's at the time. They didn't understand high-functioning autism.
2: Mm-hmm. And Dylan is a very challenging case of it. Um, in fact, when he was 25 years old, he was seeing a counselor. Mm-hmm. And
1: the counselor pulled me aside at, before one of their sessions. And he said, I got to tell you, I've worked with seven or 8,000 people in my career, and Dylan is the most complex person I've ever dealt with. Mm. And I said, really? Wow. I mean, I've been hearing that since I was a kid, but, you know, I mean, now he's 25. And he said, yeah. And I said, well, uh, are you okay with that? Mm -hmm. And he said, oh, I think it's great. He said it's. He's fascinating, wow. and Dylan is fascinating. There Let's is no see. question about
0: it. That's that's a better. <laughs> I like that word much better uh, than yes. than uh, the most difficult, or the most challenging. Because uh, fascinating is much more. Uh, it it's, is. It's more progressive, yes. and it says that you, you know, not only do you understand, but you're, you know, you're ready for the ride. <laughs>
2: <You> yeah, <know? laughs> he is a fascinating young man. There's no question about
0: it. Mm. Well. Um, describe um what dylan was talking about um the diagnosis well we said you said the diagnosis of the month club um and there was something else in the book um that he said um his experience of going from doctor, doctor to doctor from his personal experience what was his experience dylan, dylan, dylan
1: yeah you know honestly at the time he he didn't really mind it that much mm-hmm. he didn't have the same frustration we did as parents. Mm-hmm. Dylan loves to talk about Dylan, mm-hmm. so w- he was he he never really fought us going to, to all these doctors because mm-hmm. they paid attention to him, oh, yeah. and okay. and he liked anybody that paid attention to him. He still does, okay. uh, and which is why he's you know loves being on YouTube and mm-hmm. loves being up on stage. Mm-hmm. He's in fact Dylan told, Dylan said to. Uh, Podcaster the other day that he was in an interview with, mm-hmm. he they said something about being uncomfortable being up on stage. And Dylan said, "I'm uncomfortable when I'm not on stage. Mm-hmm. The only time mm-hmm. I'm uncomfortable, I'm the only time I'm comfortable is when I'm on stage <laughs> and everybody's looking at me. Mm-hmm. And you know, he he just thrives on that, which mm-hmm. is amazing because mm-hmm. it it's so it's it's such a gift that he has mm-hmm. and. He likes to he likes to feel like he matters.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: for a lot of his life, he really didn't feel like he mattered. And um, he was last week we did a we did a radio interview together. Mm-hmm. The radio interview person asked about bullying mm-hmm. and whether Dylan had been bullied. Mm-hmm. Dylan's response to this person to this radio interview was, I wish I'd been bullied. Hmm. The guy was like, what do you mean you wish you'd been bullied? Hmm. Dylan said, if I were bullied, at least somebody would be paying attention to me. Hmm. Nobody was paying attention to me. I was, it was worse than being bullied. Hmm. I was completely ignored. Hmm. At least if you're bullied, you know that somebody hates you enough to bully you. Hmm. And maybe if they're bullying you, you can at least play the sympathy card and get somebody else to like you because you're being bullied. Hmm. But I didn't even have that.
2: Mm. see that's interesting you know.
0: that he says that because well I guess maybe because he's older maybe it's the younger uh, children some of them when they're diagnosed um, you know my little friend um, they he likes to be all by himself unless you unless you go into his well he is, he's perfectly content with uh, being by himself so maybe as he gets older things will change which is good that means there's hope you know Um but they yeah, yeah. yeah. so w- when Dylan was younger, did he like uh, the attention? Yes. Oh, yep. Okay.
1: Dylan always, why like I said, Dylan. Dylan likes talking about Dylan, and Dylan <laughs> likes because he like he wants to feel like he like he matters to somebody. Right. And, right uh, that Makes sense. And you know, being being, especially when you're younger, being ignored is is just brutal. Like is, it's it's.
0: There's nothing worse than being a kid and feeling like nobody, nobody cares about you. Mm, that's the truth. I guess. Uh, who that's a that's amazing. Um, that he. When, when t-
1: Dylan was, when Dylan was sixteen, there's mm-hmm. a story in Chasing the Rabbit. Mm-hmm. When Dylan was sixteen, I, he was a sophomore in high school, and I went into his room to say goodnight to him, mm-hmm. and he said to me, "Don't be surprised to come in some morning and see me hanging from the ceiling fan."
2: No. Okay.
1: And I said. Dylan, why would you say something like that? And Dylan started talking about suicide when he was 10. Mm. so This was not anything new, but now he was
2: 16, and it was a lot scarier. Mm. And, so and scary, scary. Dylan and I, so I said, Dylan, you know, why
1: why would you say that? And he said, because there isn't one kid in that school that cares if I come
2: in tomorrow morning or not. Mm. Every day is worse than the day before, mm. and what's the point? Mm.
0: And that's what it Feels like to a kid who's just completely ignored mm-hmm. and, and felt
1: like they don't and, and made to feel like they don't matter,
0: yeah. Well, that's also, uh, I mean, I think that's a thing in school anyway, but for him, I think he was maybe even more focused on it. So, um, so he paid he was able to make, pay more attention to it than like uh, most teenagers feel that way, they want to belong to a tribe, everybody wants to be a part of the tribe, right. Um, and yeah. so if they're not the popular kid, then they're going to be ignored. And everybody feels lonely and like, oh, gosh, this is it. This is the worst. Um, but I guess because, maybe because of his, um, you know, um, maybe perhaps because of his Asperger, he's able to really tune in on it and really like, de- you know, describe it to you in a detail, uh, which breaks, makes me very sad that he felt that way, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, everybody... Lucky.
1: Every, even adults I mean mm-hmm. nobody, want, nobody wants to ever feel like they don't matter
0: absolutely this is the human thing I mean we all want to belong you know so it makes sense but that's um, amazing that he said that and, uh, and people if you read the book you'll read about that in one of the chapters um, so what, what I want to talk to you next medications um, describe how shocked you were um, well first of all there's a lot of overdiagnosis going on of autism right um uh, and um, you know it's hard to tell who's who's getting overdiagnosed, who's not getting diagnosed quick enough. You know, um, what what's your thoughts on on um, when, when? Yeah, that? I think there is, I mean,
1: they've they CDC just recently came out that it's now one in forty. Oh,
2: yeah.
1: Um, and yeah, I think there's probably some overdiagnosis. I've heard you know I've had people that. You hear these stories about people who, they, their kid had autism and they changed his diet and then the autism went away. Well, he probably didn't have autism to begin with. He probably right. had dietary issue. He was exactly. probably had a gluten allergy mm-hmm. that was causing him to have autistic type behavior characteristics. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But you don't get cured of autism, like Jenny. You know the famous Jenny McCarthy. Mm-hmm there, the Playboy model actress there, Mm -hmm. who claims that she cured her kid of autism by changing his diet.
2: Well, your kid probably didn't have autism to begin with, Jenny. Mm. Mm. Um,
1: Mm. You know, and and when you say something like that,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: you make you know, you make all the rest of us feel like, okay, so you're so much smarter than everybody else. You, you, you're, you what do you think? You're, you're a doctor. You're, you're like, you can, you can cure autism, but none of the doctors can figure out how to cure
2: autism. Yeah, right. You can even
1: figure out how to really
2: treat it. You can't. Right.
1: There isn't even a, a pill to treat autism, and yet a Playboy model figures mm-hmm. out how to cure autism. I mean, right. Well, a comedian,
0: like, but yeah, I got you. But, but you, you know, know what, you know where she could be coming from. And of course, every child's different. Um, I mean, like, I'm a firm believer that, um, that food can change a lot of things, but like you said, that's a first. That would be a first that food actually cured autism. If we there's such a thing as a cure, I say not well, um, not cure. What's the better word? Um, um, dismantle. How about that?
1: Well, I- there's a lot of kids. There's a lot of kids with gluten allergies, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of kids with other allergies and other issues that are food related. Mm-hmm. That and there's probably somebody listening that's going to get all ticked off at me about this, but mm-hmm. you know, I I. I have a friend, we have a friend, a person, close personal friend of mine, mm-hmm. who for years said that their, kid had, their daughter had autism. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, when they took gluten and a couple of sugar, or I don't know, so they took a bunch of stuff out of her diet, and all of a sudden, all of her autistic te- characteristics went away. Mm-hmm. Well, she didn't have autism. Mm-hmm. She had diet, she had something that was making her have meltdowns and be antisocial because she was her body wasn't wasn't reacting well to the food that they were giving her. And when they took that food out of her diet, all of a sudden, you know, it went away. And now they admit, I mean they'll tell you, no, she she didn't really, she never had autism. Mm. We thought she did because you know, but
0: Well also I mean there's there's different levels, I think too. I mean I have I have I work with a behavior problem school and my kids are so um so low on the spectrum that you wouldn't be able to tell except for if you were in the room. Uh, when there was a meltdown or you, you witnessed certain situations and you'd be like, oh, huh, you know, or certain, um, you know, stimming qualities or, you know what I'm saying, you, unless you work with kids on all, you know, all the spectrums and then you realize something, you wouldn't quite know that my kids, uh, some of my kids um, were even diagnosed. So perhaps they were one of those. That, so, and then that, that, I guess, again, goes to overdiagnosing. It could be just, okay, so this one has, let's say, OTD fine, that's OCD, not um, autism. So I guess, you know, I mean, it's still up in the air on that one, but I'd rather, yeah. I mean, I'm a firm believer that um, as soon as you know something's wrong, um, that you get the help from the window period you need, and perhaps um, there is a way to override, not get rid of, but override um, the situation in that, like my friend's um, daughter, was born with autism, and I, I told her, you know, when the kid was, like, 10 months old, I knew something was wrong. And, um, you know, she thought I was crazy. Um, but, uh, you know, she, it was it was um, different because they wanted me to hold the baby, wanted me, when there was a baby, wanted me to hold them upside down so the only time they would stop crying, which was strange. So there was, there was a balance issue. So that's why I knew something was something was off right then, but, you know, no kid speaks at that age, and so you don't really know. And then as they got older, other things like that, um, balance and staring and, you know, things like that. So there's little markers you can pay attention to, but I guess they don't actually give you a full diagnosis till a minimum two years old. Now, sometimes five, I think. Um, I've seen kids have to wait as late as five, which they're trying not to do because then you miss the window period, I guess. But, um... Back to medications, I guess we'll we'll talk about. Uh, were you shocked at um the number of medications, Dillis had been on? Um, did you have? Did you? How did you? You know, as a father, um, deal with um, the medication part of, of this. Well,
1: Dylan first went on medication when he was eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, right about the same time he was diagnosed. He went on. Uh, I think an eighty. Medicine, um, medication. Mm-hmm. And then, since then, he was, you know, he was on just about everything antipsychotics. Mm-hmm. They, you know, they just kept throwing meds mm-hmm. at this kid yeah. and trying try to get him under control. And mm-hmm. some of them had some short term effects, some of them really negatively impacted him. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember he was on one on Lexapro oh, okay. and he said, He said to me, he said, I can't laugh. Mm. And I said, what do you, and we noticed that he was, he was very, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: we called it zombie-like. Yes. And and basically they were just like, you know, making him into a zombie to keep him from having meltdowns, which I'm not going to lie, was kind of nice for a little bit, but it wasn't, it wasn't our son. You know, we, we don't want to zombie our kid into,
2: into through life just to make our life easier. Right. so it was a nice reprieve
1: for a couple you know a few days Mm. but then we quickly realized this was not healthy Mm. and what Dylan said he said I can't laugh and he was like 11 and I said what do you mean you can't laugh and he said I watched like this morning I was watching Gilligan's Island and I knew it was funny but I couldn't laugh Mm. Mm. um because the the Meds had kind of made him into, like, this zombie right. character. You, and so we, you know, we took him off, and the meltdown started again, but that was, you know, what are you going to do? You can't, you can't, you can't, you know, dose your kid into being something he's not. No, definitely not. Do so, you think?
0: Good, sorry.
1: Yeah, so we ended up, we went through med after med after med, mm-hmm. um, and to the point where I eventually have this I ended up with this giant spreadsheet where I would keep track of all the meds that he had been on, yeah. how long he had been on them, mm. what, what the dates were and what the impact was because every time we'd go to a doctor, mm. they would say, Well, what meds has he had been on? And we'd be like, Oh my God, where the heck do we start with that? Mm. You know, you wanna go back six years and you wanna tell every med that he's been on? Mm. So I went back to all the, and I recommend anybody do this. If your kid's been on meds, Mm -hmm. go back to all the doctors, get a list of everything they've been on, Mm -hmm. and start keeping a spreadsheet. If you want to, heck, if you want to email me, I'll send you the spreadsheet I have, and you can just fill in your own information. Um, Just go to, go to our, just private message me at chasing the rabbit book which is my facebook page and i'd be happy to send you a copy of the spreadsheet i have and i'll just blank it out you can fill in your own information but that was really helpful because we would go into these doctors and we'd have a crisis mm-hmm. and we'd take him to a crisis unit or an er and they'd say well what meds has he been on and i'm like oh my god he's 17 years old you want me to tell you every med he's been on mm-hmm. and so now we, we used to keep one in my car and one in amy's car and we wow. just
0: hand it
2: to him here you go that's here
0: brilliant go. that, that go. is a brilliant I mean, and, hey, you got a whole nother business there. You can start that out. I mean, that's a whole nother if you get an app for that, uh, that would yeah. be very well, helpful. It was, it was a pretty mm-hmm. simple Excel spreadsheet. So, mm-hmm.
1: um, and, and, again, I'd be happy to show it to anybody if, if anybody's interested. But it, mm. it was very helpful. I also created a spreadsheet. Mm-hmm. That I called Dylan's history because mm-hmm. the same thing. We would have a crisis, we'd take him to the ER, mm-hmm. and we'd, you know the doctor would finally come in, and after waiting for God knows how long, mm-hmm. and he would say, "Well, was he born on time, or no, how I'd was rather. you know all yeah. this?" And I'm like, "Who cares if he was born on time? My right. like, 14-year-old is having a Nothing. is kicking holes in the drywall. Mm-hmm. I don't think we really need to be concerned whether he was born a week early or not." Right, and wow. so. I had a spreadsheet that I created that mm-hmm. went year by year and kind of described what that year was like and what his school year was like. Mm-hmm. And it was like, boom, 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 boom. Mm-hmm. And we would print it out and keep one in our car. And mm-hmm. whenever we would have a situation like that, we would just hand it to the doctor
0: here. Here's his meds. Here's his history. Right. Now let's address what we're, now let's address what's happening right now. <laughs> exactly. Good for you. you. You guys are really on it here. I, um, I'm amazed at some of the things you're doing. And uh, this is so helpful for our viewers um, if anybody has any questions, you can always inbox me on on Facebook or inbox us, um, and call me if you know me. Um, that's not a problem, and uh, we'd be more than happy to answer any questions. Um, so what? Um, let's see. When you you had an um, it was an analogy this um, morning uh, for the sun that you thought you would have is that is that correct? That was a part of chapter in a part of chapter five. Yeah, yeah,
1: mm-hmm. um, in. In my book, I talk about how, and I talk about this in our presentation as well, mm-hmm. um, and actually if you go on my website, Chase
2: my website, which is oh. ChasingTheRabbit.org, chasing the oh. uh, there's a video. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, i am got to post it on Facebook. I keep forgetting. Yeah, I'm going to put so, it
0: on mine uh, too. Uh,
1: what's it, it called? It's called ChasingTheRabbit.org. It's the website, and there's a video of that I did this summer where I talk about mourning the son that I thought I was going to have, so I could love the one that God gave me, mm. and mm. and that's basically
2: what I had to go through. And it sounds kind of dramatic to say mourning, but
1: you know, it was a loss. I, you know, I lost something that I thought I was going to have which is, you know, everybody every especially dads, you know they dream of what their son's going to be like and when all of a sudden that's not what the reality that you're facing, and it could be autism, it could be it could be anything, you could have a kid who's blind, well you know, that your blind son could be wonderful and have tremendous potential,
2: but guess what, he's not going to be the center fielder of the baseball team so, you know, uh, you need to accept that Mm -hmm. and and that takes
1: some warning. right?
0: You said you when said was, I, so You didn't uh, want another boy.
1: I did not want another boy. <laughs> no, we had when we we had by the time Dylan was diagnosed, we had two girls, mm-hmm. and then when Dylan was twelve, Amy oh. and I bo- both felt that our family wasn't complete, and decided to have another baby. And people kept saying to me, "Oh, do you you know do you want another boy?" And I I you know thought, "Oh my God, no! I don't want another boy because." I knew that if I had another boy mm-hmm. and that boy was neurotypical mm-hmm. and that boy was everything that I had wanted in a boy mm-hmm. that he liked to play baseball and liked to do all the things that I liked to do that there would be no way that I could hide that from Dylan. Right, okay. And and Dylan's too smart to not figure out that I finally got the son that I wanted and I mm. was oh, It broke my heart Mm. to think of what that would have done to him. So I prayed for a girl,
2: and (laughs) I
1: got another girl. That's right. (laughs) So now I'm a cheer dad, (laughs) and my daughter, my youngest, is a cheerleader. And so I'm a cheer dad, Mm -hmm. and um, very happy. And, Mm -hmm. I, you know, I got what I needed out of my my other girls. My two older girls played softball, and so I got my – not a baseball player, but I got uh, my – middle daughter is a D one softball player and oh, so wow. I mm-hmm. you know you, mm. yeah life life figures out uh, what you're you know what you need. Mm. God always God always has a plan.
0: Right, he sure enough does. Speaking of plan, um uh, um let's see, we have fifteen more minutes, let's see. So uh speaking of plan, ha school system. Uh what was your frustration with the school systems? <laughs>
2: <laughs> wow, where did we begin
0: with that? I one? know. We'll, um, short, short and sweet, because we want—I want to cover some more questions, also uh, for some viewers. So I'm trying to get through a little bit. Of yeah. As possible. The uh, the
1: mm-hmm. school the school system, you know, maybe they did their best, maybe mm-hmm. they didn't. I don't know, but mm-hmm. they they didn't really know what they would do. And I I actually spoke last week at a local library, mm-hmm. and a woman came up to me after, and she said, "I just want to thank you, and especially thank Dylan, mm-hmm. for what you did with the schools." Mm-hmm. And I said, "What do you mean?" What do you mean? What we do with the schools? And she said, "My son's twenty-one, and your son is twenty-seven. And because of what Dylan went through, I read your book, and I live—I live in the same town you did. Mm-hmm. You do. And because of what Dylan went through, mm-hmm. by the time my son got to school, they did a great job with him. They handled it much better.
0: Right. See, I—that's I, so, because Dylan? writing books and t- telling about your experience, she really helps."
1: Yeah, so Dylan kind of paved the way. Um, they figured out what works and what didn't
2: work, um, and you know, I, in hindsight, I probably should
1: have changed the name of my town because um, I probably didn't make a lot of friends in the school system with a lot of what I wrote. But you know what? It is what it is.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: When you read when you read my book, you'll know why I've not been invited to speak at Scarborough High School.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that's okay because we have you here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Um, well, do you think so? Do you think the schools, so the schools have changed a little bit? Um, they're not still not where we want, according to some people I know from today, but um, they've changed a little bit, I guess, um, thanks to people. Well, like you it. know
1: what I've discovered is that it,
0: you know, it starts at the top mm-hmm, uh, exactly. in the school department, mm-hmm. and I,
1: I le- I learned this uh, like the first year after my book came out. Mm-hmm. I spoke in a town here in maine
2: Mm -hmm.
1: on a saturday Mm -hmm. and then i spoke in another town Mm -hmm. two towns over just Mm -hmm. two towns away on Mm -hmm. monday on saturday all they did is tell me how awful the school system was and on monday all they did is tell me how awesome their school system was Mm -hmm. and they you know they're only two towns away they're literally 25 minutes apart but one administrative department Clearly understood what they were dealing, what they were doing, and the other one didn't. And so one group of people were having a horrible experience, and one group of people were having a wonderful experience. Mm-hmm. And so I think it really starts at the, at the top, at the administrators and mm-hmm. the principal. Yeah, sure. And you know, we had a terrible principal of our middle school who didn't understand and didn't want to understand and and changed Dylan's IEP without telling us, which mm-hmm. is completely illegal. Right. And and so. You know, that's where it starts, just like anything, just like any any military operation or any business. It starts at the top. If the top is flawed, then everything below it is going to be flawed and there's going to be trouble. And you can create your own political opinion on that. I'm not even commenting
0: on that. <laughs> right. Well, I got you. And so uh, well, another question about school. Um, what um, led you and, and Amy to the decision to uh, put him in the boarding school? Is it that was, you that, that was, was school? That was
1: or? really that was based on that comment that he made about wanting to kill himself. And oh, we just felt yeah. like we need to get him we need to get him some help and he's not getting help in the school system that he's mm-hmm, in. Mm-hmm. They he's you know, he's floundering, he's you know, feeling completely lost, you know, like he doesn't like his life isn't even worth living. Mm-hmm. And if we don't do something soon, you know, we could lose this kid and we weren't willing to take that
0: risk. Mm. Uh, yeah, chapter seven you also talk about uh, Dylan running into legal troubles. Do you think uh, law, th- law, f- law official officials yeah, can't say the word I'm talking to law officials um, need more training um, with people autism spectrum disorder?
1: Yeah, yes, absolutely. Mm. Uh, Dylan Dylan's had a lot of legal trouble as you'll read in my book mm-hmm. and you'll read even more in bad choices make good stories. Mm. I mean Dylan's did bad choices make good stories? Ends when Dylan got out of rehab after being arrested for possession of meth. Mm. So um, Dylan's had more than his share of legal issues. He's got a nice, uh, a nice little potpourri collection of uh, misdemeanors. Mm-hmm. Thank, thank God none of them have been enough to be felonies. And and I've had good lawyers. Mm-hmm. But um,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, it's a lot of the cases that Dylan. Dylan got in trouble for uh, right. were could be can be directly tied to his autism,
2: right, and right, there
1: was right, right. there was very little understanding of that
0: in the legal system. Right, I'm sure I am so sure of that. Uh, what, what about when he when he um, took Amy's credit card? Was that also? That's, that's uh, well, that wasn't right legal. Temporary? That was just stupid. Okay.
1: And <laughs> <laughs> he didn't get in legal trouble. He got
0: in dad trouble for right, that one. Right, 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 right. So do you think people often confuse autism with mental illness? um but they're not the same thing at all right
1: They're not the same thing no yeah. and it, and and I anytime anybody does make that mistake, I try to be very clear that there there's yeah. there's a difference yeah uh, neurological, illness, right ne- Autism is a neurological disability mm-hmm. and and mental illness is generally a chemical imbalance. Um, and I tell you I autism is really rough but mm-hmm. I wouldn't Wish mental illness on anybody's child in
0: a million years. I have a a good, good friend of ours whose son is dealing with mental illness, and it's just awful to watch. Okay. Wow. Uh, Do you think uh, the government should play a bigger role in in aiding people with autism through job training and health care? Yeah, probably. Uh, That wasn't the smoothest segue, by the way. Uh-huh. What's that? that was not the smoothest segue.
2: <laughs> well, that's all right. Um,
0: I'm not a. I'm not
1: a big fan that government can solve our problems. Right. I think. I think what we need as a business owner is I think we need more understanding about how we can help employ people with autism. I don't think the government's going to be able to solve that problem mm-hmm. if people if people don't want to solve it. If employers and managers are willing to. Uh, be understanding yeah. and work with people. There's nothing the government's going to be able to do about it. Yeah. You know, my wife worked on some issues
0: that helped people with disabilities get a fair shot. I was going to go into um, that. Yes,
1: okay. and and um, and not be discriminated against. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: and she also worked a lot on 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 justice reform. Mm-hmm. Um, Did she work with the Able Law?
1: Yeah, we, yeah, we um, no, we, I mean, she didn't have anything to do with
0: the ABLE law, but I'm familiar with it. Okay. Um, and, um, and that's great. It's mm-hmm. great that that exists. Um,
1: and D- Dylan has an ABLE account actually. Um, and,
0: and, What, what exactly this, is ABLE so that people are listening who don't know what this
1: A, Uh, I don't remember exactly what it stands for, oh, okay. but ABLE, okay. and they don't have it in every state, but you can actually go to other states and get it. Like Dylan's ABLE really? account is actually out of like Virginia. Um, so talk to your financial advisor if you don't have, if you have a financial advisor. But oh, I,
0: Able see is, I see it here.
1: Oh. Yeah, Able is basically a it's like a 401 K for people with disabilities. So yeah. you can put money away
0: mm-hmm. um pre tax. Right. It's a campaign um, for sure. tax free savings account. Right. It's mm-hmm. a savings account that you can do that you don't get taxed
1: at at the same rate like a 401k or a 529 mm-hmm. is for education. Mm-hmm. And ABLE is, is for – and there's also there's – a, there's a lot. Dylan, actually, we did a uh, uh, workforce presentation along with some folks here in Portland mm-hmm. from Morgan Stanley about uh, – Plan, disabil- planning for your child with disability because you're not going to be around forever, yep. and at some point you got to figure out what's going to happen after you're gone. Yep. And there, there's a lot of things that you can do. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I actually have a slideshow on that that I from that presentation. So if anybody wants to hit me up on Facebook right.
2: or or email me through Chasing the Rabbit, Chasing I'd be happy to send them the information mm-hmm. um, about else? how to
1: how to plan for your uh, you know your long term financial planning for a
2: child with a disability it's very very important yes it is it is extremely important and make sure you have a will for goodness sake especially if your kid is underage Mm. the last thing you want is some judge making a
0: decision about what happens to your kid oh right that's exactly true wow there's so much uh so many more questions i want to ask you but we're we're running into the time area so uh can i uh, can i give you a viewers um question Um, they had some really good questions and I'm hoping I can get them in. Uh, let's see. One, um, said, uh, if, okay, if you have other children, how do you balance out time between siblings? Oftentimes siblings make many, many adjustments and sacrifices. Mm-hmm. You're right. Thank you for for that question,
2: caller. I tell you, in a in a, in a real quick answer, mm-hmm. go to
1: ChasingTheRabbit.org dot org and click on the speaking tab. Speaking. There's a speaking tab about where we've been speaking. And on there, there's a link to a video that Dylan and my oldest daughter, Mariah, did. Uh, they were the keynote speakers at the Southern Maine Autism Conference in 2016. And it was autism and the sibling relationship. Mm. It is a fantastic video. They
2: did such a great job explaining that relationship. Amazing. But okay. one, one other thing that I always talk about when, when I'm talking about this
1: issue mm. is... Is my wife and I did a really, I think, looking back, did a good job giving each other a break from Dylan mm-hmm. because we often spend ninety percent of our energy and our time on twenty five percent of our children. Right, and so I coached a lot of softball, mm-hmm. and that let me have time, and so that let me have time with the girls one on one. And Amy allowed, you know, Amy, you know, she let me do that by. You know, taking Dylan and letting me go coach softball, mm-hmm. and then I would pay her back mm-hmm. by I would take Dylan skiing for the day, or I would uh, take him to play golf,
2: or brilliant. we would have a guys' weekend, mm. and
1: that would allow her to take the girls and get their nails done oh,
2: and go that's to a Disney,
1: Disney movie. Yeah, so give each other some time.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, and and because you need to build those relationships with those other kids because it is difficult.
0: Well, you answered their second question was if limited or nonverbal, how has that impacted your relationship?
1: You kind of went into that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it, Dylan is very verbal, so mm-hmm. um, I I can't really speak to what it's like to have a child who's nonverbal mm-hmm. in with uh, with on with honesty because I don't have one. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I can tell you that a lot of the emotions are the same from what people have told me because I've had a lot of people with nonverbal children read my book and. Um, you know, I, somebody, it was interesting. We, I was at a conference in Tucson, Arizona a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. and I was on a parent's panel in front of the whole place, and uh, the lady next to me said, she points to everybody in the audience, she said, we all, you all, parents, need to stop comparing
2: autisms. Mm. Nobody's autism. It's not a competition. One mm. autism isn't better than another. Mm. She said, my son is nonverbal. And is probably never going to leave the house, mm. wow.
1: but his son's getting arrested all the time. Right. So, which is better? She said, "I know my son's not getting arrested." Right. So, it you know it's believe me, I I my heart breaks for the families that have a child who's
2: nonverbal because mm-hmm. um, yes. as hard as it is for us, and, and as hard as it's been with Dylan, mm-hmm.
1: um, you know I understand that 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 challenge and, and I would say burden and without, and I don't think that's an insult. And I, and people say, Oh, don't call your kid a burden. Well, you know what? Sometimes it's, it's, it's a burden and that doesn't, it doesn't mean you don't love your kid. Right. Because
0: even if even uh, even as a regular parent, there's been days where I'd be like, Oh my yeah, god. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> not regular. I w I shouldn't say that word. Give me a better word. Um no, uh, I, children I, that's that fine. are not on the spectrum. That's better. No, you know,
1: I you know what? I don't you, you I
0: don't get offended. So Yeah, but I, I still want to always correct myself because in case someone else says it, I would be offended yeah. if they said that about well, someone I consider people like should
1: my be dad. offended Because you know what? If you have three neurotypical kids, you are a regular parent. Okay. And God bless you. Okay. You know, okay. you count your blessings because <laughs> thereby the grace of the God go you and there you go
0: yeah there you go
1: I, yeah. It, you know, it could be anybody. I mean, autism doesn't discriminate
0: nope, and absolutely
1: not. it just randomly
2: chooses us. Yes, and so, you know, I, I we used to go to these adult we used to go to these parenting uh, you know, support groups mm. and we would leave sometimes mm-hmm. and you know, I, I remember gotten, I got in the car one time.
1: I turned to Amy and I said, I'm like the crappiest parent ever. Mm-hmm. And she said, why? Mm-hmm. What, do you, what do you mean? I said, well, you know, this, these people, these things, they say, oh, you know, our kid is tearing our house apart. And he's, You know, we spend all
2: our time and energy. We're exhausted at the end of the day. And my husband and I fight all the time. Mm-hmm. And we're about to get a
1: divorce. Right. And, then they go, and then they'll go, but I wouldn't change Timmy for anything. Yeah. And I'd be like, mm-hmm. Really? Mm-hmm. really you wouldn't change timmy at all this mm-hmm. is good you like this this is, this is timmy it's just mm-hmm. the way you want it mm-hmm. and i think that people do that mm-hmm. because they feel so guilty mm-hmm. that they wish timmy were different mm-hmm. and obviously there's no real timmy i'm mm-hmm. just making that name
2: right, up. Right, right.
1: but but they feel so guilty that mm-hmm. they wish timmy were different mm-hmm. that by saying they wouldn't change timmy right. it 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 relieves them of the guilt right. and you know what you don't have to feel guilty. Actually. It's okay. I wish Timmy were different. Yeah. I actually asked Dylan one day, I said, Dylan, let me ask you a question. I told him the whole Timmy story.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I said, if I had a magic wand in my pocket
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I could change you and I didn't use it, what what would you think of that? And he's you know what he said? Yeah. He said, I'd never forgive you.
2: Mm.
1: He said, if you could have made my life easier mm. and you didn't, I I don't think I could ever forgive you for that. Mm. So,
2: wow. yeah. Timmy's, it's
1: difficult to have Timmy and you don't have to say that you wouldn't change Timmy, mm. and yeah, there's a lot of blessings to have in Dylan. Dylan has made us all much better
0: people I was going to say, your siblings, your other children oh, have become we are more sensitive we better, and we couldn't get yeah, into that because we have one, like two minutes left, literally uh, yeah, we're so, all way better people for
2: because of Dylan, but that exactly. doesn't mean that I wouldn't
1: have changed
0: Dylan if I could have. Absolutely. See, I I'm so and I it love your mean honesty. I love it any less. Exactly. I love I love your honesty because a lot of people can't get there. Um, but one uh, one last question and then um, sure. I have something else I want to say. Uh, if, uh, if married, how did the diagnosis and long-term implications affect your marriage? Um, one person asked. Um, it's a short it was, answer because we have okay, like it, was very,
1: it was very challenging because <laughs> mm-hmm. we often approach things in a different way. Mm-hmm. And you can read all about that in my book. That, you
2: can read about that in my book, Chasing the Rabbit. Yes. But, um, you know, try to find
1: time. Mm-hmm. What I would tell people really quickly is try to find time, even if it's a half an hour at the end of the day, right. to just be together yes. and be the couple that you were before you had a child with a disability because someday you may be... A child without you, maybe a couple without a disability, and you need to know that you can still have a relationship that doesn't revolve around your kid.
0: Ah, uh, good. For, I thank you so much for that. That wonderful advice. Um, so, um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap it up, but I need you to tell me uh, where people can go get the book and about your show, um, and then I'm gonna end it with a poem. Um, autism is a spectrum. Um, someone posted it to my friend Rebecca. Thank you, Rebecca. And I'm gonna just read it real quick um, as we end the show. But first, tell me your okay. plugs first. You, oh, well, right. let me let me wrap it up with this first. Um, you're listening to Derek Vogue uh, author of Chasing the Rabbit: A Dad's Life, Raising a Son on the Spectrum, um, and uh, and he's gonna tell us where we can find the book. All right, real quick. The
1: easiest thing to do is go to volkbooks.com volk, V-O-L-K, books.com mm-hmm. that will take you to Dylan's page and through Dylan's page you can buy both of our books you can also go to Chasing the Rabbit Book on Facebook, Chasing the Rabbit Book and if you do that and you want to reach out to me and answer any questions that I didn't get to answer because we ran out of time I'd be happy to do that you can reach out to me through, face, through Facebook through email, if you google Derek Volk trust me, you'll find me
2: yes
0: and and we appreciate you so much for coming on and sharing. And we might have you back on again for part two eventually one day because this Love is it. becoming a major topic. And, and also I'd like to have your son on one day actually because the book, his book sounds amazing too. I, I can't You're wait sure. to get that. Yeah. yeah. Dylan's a great guest oh yeah. I I, I will look into that uh, sooner than later um, before the uh, the end of the year um, gets here probably um, if not definitely right after because uh, it's it's just it sounds amazing that he even wrote a book but the, the the topic that he's covering is woof, it's really complex and it's really much needed so thank you and I'm going to end it, Derek, with this this post that was today from a friend of mine whose daughter was just diagnosed with autism. And it's, autism is a spectrum. It is meltdowns. It is sensory overload. It is anxiety. It is OCD. It is verbal. It is nonverbal. It is rigid. It is food aversions. It is stimming. It is aggression. It is mild. It is severe. It is everything in between. It is my child. So that's what I'm going to end that on. And uh, we thank you so much, Darryl. Chasing the rabbit, you want to go out and get it. And uh, you've been listening to On the Town. I'm your host, Tanya Cooper. And we will see you again next Sunday. Thank you, Darryl. love like sky is but can nobody love like a dude.